Smashed into the net by Kylian Mbappe. Oh, Benyera, beautifully done. Corne finds Dembele. The first touch is good. The second is deadly. Neymar still. Oh, my word, what a goal. Golovin. Lovely finish. Ajax delivery. Gendouzi's header. And the finish of the near post from Lucas Paqueta. Outrageous goal from Gael Kakuta. Play it again. And Goldberg. Messi again. This time, maybe Messi's done it. Hello and welcome to Le Bourgeois, the official Ligue 1 Uber Eats podcast. As we look back at a thrilling night of action in France on Saturday, it was the penultimate round and it had it all. From Youssef Belayli's stunning solo goal for Brest to Monaco's sensational comeback, toilet paper and a red card and a lot of tears in Bordeaux. Clermont celebrating wildly after a defeat in Strasbourg. Lionel Messi hitting a double. Yes, that's right. Lionel Messi hitting a double in Ligue 1 Uber East. There were 30 goals in all, a massive shake-up in the top six and a whole lot of intrigue at the bottom. And uh, joining me to talk about all of that, we have uh, Andy Scott, the Ligue 1 commentator. How are you, Andy? Good evening, Matthew. Yeah, I'm not bad, thank you. This is this is, um, this is is funny, isn't it, Sunday evening? Because usually we are busy commentating the, the last game of the weekend, but this is quite nice, a nice change that everything has already happened and um, we're going to be able to go to bed at a reasonable time and then not have to do this in the morning. It's good. Well, you've complained so much about getting up early on, on a Monday morning, Andy, that we've decided to to stop it. Um, Luke N. Twist, freelance journalist uh, from uh, from Nice, from down in, 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 in the southeast of France. He, um, he's been a very busy weekend for Luke in, in Monaco. How are you doing, Luke? Yeah, I'm absolutely brilliant. Apologies if I start shouting. My eardrums have been blasted by the sounds of uh, historic Formula One cars on the streets of the Principality. So uh, if I start shouting, let me know. <laughs> the hell of a weekend. You've had uh, yeah, you've had Monaco's incredible comeback at the Stade Louis Deux, and you've had this, um, what is it, historic Formula One race. Give us a, give us a few names of the... Uh, pilots do we call them pilots racing car drivers who, who <laughs> yeah. sorry, sorry they're not pilots that's french isn't it yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. give us a few names uh, to be fair i just know that charles leclerc was there and uh he put nicky lauda's car his ferrari from 1974 into the wall at ratacas um so that was the big headline of the day was him crashing an iconic ferrari on his uh on his home turf uh which was uh fun to watch and fun to report on so uh but yeah obviously we're going to talk about a, a whole different kind of race with the uh Race for the European positions yeah. coming up. Good segue, and I and I think I've I've shown up my lack of knowledge of Formula One by calling the drivers pilots. But uh, we've we've had loads of, uh, of 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 feedback from from you, our loyal, lovely uh, listeners. Thank you so much to Soa Misra from uh, India, who really enjoyed last weekend's pod or last week's pod. Everyone had brilliant energy levels and dedication. Thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for emailing in league1podcast at gmail.com. Davor T, our faithful listener in Australia, he uh, says that he thinks Julien Stefan should win the uh, Coach of the Year award. That is, uh, it's happening as we speak. So we're going to have the uh, the uh, the winners of the UNFP uh, prizes um, through the podcast. And it's true, Davor, he's doing a fantastic job. Uh, Wee Chun Lo has written in. Thank you very much. Sean Patrick as well. Um, Everybody complimenting us, so thank you so much. I've had a really busy weekend. I didn't have one game to commentate. I had 10 games to commentate simultaneously because I was working on the uh, the multiplex feed that we provide for the international broadcasters where we were going around the grounds and um, watching all 10 fixtures on Saturday night. And it was just 
incredibly exciting. So many ups and downs. At one point, we had we had Nice in the Champions League places uh, along with Marseille. We had Monaco down in fifth, and then suddenly it all turned around. Monaco were up in second. Nice were out of the European places altogether. We'll try and bring a bit of that excitement uh, to you uh, throughout this podcast. We're going to start with the big game of the weekend. Um, certainly on paper, it was uh, it was the biggest one. Rennes against Marseille, both of the uh, teams in action, very much in contention for European qualification. Andy Scott was uh, in Brittany. He was at Rosen Park. And uh, here's a little bit of his commentary. Forward for Laborde, gives it to Lovro Meyer. Collected now in midfield, Santa Maria looking to release Martin Terrier. Great anticipation among the home supporters. Terrier came onto that ball and it's turned into the net by Borigio. Ren take the lead and Razon Park erupts. Laviante, nicely done to find Martin Terrier who will drive forward here now. He's got Laborde and Lovromaya, Tayman in the middle. It's a brilliant goal, clinical play from Ren. Terrier sets it up again, and Lovromaya doubles the home side's lead. So, Andy, uh, Ren running out 2 0 victors. A wonderful start from uh, Bruno Genesio's team. And um, they just uh, saw Marseille off, really, didn't they, without um, creating loads and loads of chances. Uh, but the, I mean, the first half display really impressed me. What I saw of it, they were just so hungry and so so physical. Marseille couldn't really compete. Yeah, you said it. You said it. Um, I, I don't think I need to say much more. But um, I mean, I mean, listen. I think one of the things that that was well, two things really striking about that. One is that Wren have now scored fifty goals at home this season. That was the last home game. Fifty goals in nineteen games at home. They, they've got goals in them. Uh, that was clear last night. I mean, I mean, we talked in depth, didn't we, a couple of weeks ago about Martin Terrier. You spoke to Martin Terrier, um, and and the really interesting interview with him talking about obviously the fact that he has become um, a prolific goal scorer, twenty one goals this season. He is, as we speak, a nominee for the the Player of the Year prize, which um, will be announced very shortly. Um, I suspect he won't win it, but he's among the among the five names. But last night. He um he didn't score a goal, but he set up two with a couple of lovely assists. Such such an intelligent player, you know, the, the way he picked out Benjamin Bourigeau for the first goal, um, and and the cross, the pinpoint low ball in for Lovro Meyer for the second goal. Brilliant play on the left hand side, but also his tracking back and, and his hard work defensively for the team. Really, really impressive. They're they're a good team. I mean, they they you know, they, they're a prolific side. They've had a, a, a sticky run in the last few weeks that looked like it might cost them and still probably will cost them uh, a Champions League place. You compare them to Marseille, Marseille didn't have a shot on target. They were dreadful, uh, absolutely hopeless. And, um, you know, Jorge Sampaoli again played without a, a number nine. Dimitri Payet was in the stands. Obviously, he's injured and, and, you know, has missed the last couple of games, won't play next week, which is difficult for him. But, um, you know, I know that you will have been struck by this, the fact that Arkadiusz Milik was on the bench and yet didn't come on. Um, and, and you have to wonder what that's all about. You know, I know that Milik has, has, has struggled with his fitness again in recent weeks. And the suggestion was that he didn't play last week because of that. But, you know, you have him on the bench, throw him on and put some balls into the box for this for this clinical finisher who we've, we've talked about before is probably the best finisher 
in French football. So, and Andy, I wasn't there. You know, you you watched it far more closely than I did. But from what I could see, you know, it just it just wasn't happening no. for, for Marseille. And I saw Bubakar Camera at halftime saying, "Yeah, we're we're losing every yeah. every sort of 50-50 ball." And, and and he kind of he was like trying to work out what they need to do, and he didn't seem to know. And the coach needs to help them. And you know, I I I, I agree. And of course. I was saying on air that, yeah, he'll make changes at halftime, Milik will be on. And and, and he, not only he didn't come on at halftime, he didn't come on at and, all. And exactly. And, you know, Milik was, I mean, from my position in the commentary box at Roslyn Park, I could obviously see right down to uh, the, the two the two technical areas. And, and the Marseille substitutes were warming up throughout the second half because they only, you know, they could have made more. Milik could have come on in the 90th minute. It's not as though they'd made all the changes and, and there was no longer room for him. And he was still warming up. And I thought this is kind of humiliating for the guy. You know, he's been sent out to warm up. And I think you could tell that he knew he wasn't going to come on. But what was the point? I mean, they needed two goals. I mean, that defeat last night, I remember um, a few weeks ago when when Luke and I were the guests on this and, and Ian was presenting and, and Luke said something which kind of made me raise my eyebrows saying that that he didn't think Marseille were going to finish in the top three and it was just that he'd, he'd, he'd thought that a long time ago and he was sticking with it. But you know what? He, 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 might, <laughs> he might turn out to be right because, you know, they, they have, they, if they'd won last night, they would have wrapped up a top three finish. And you can then get into the, the merits of finishing second and going automatically into the Champions League group stage or finishing third and going into the into the third qualifying round. Obviously, it's better to be third than fourth. Um, and they could have wrapped it up last night and, and they just never looked like doing so. And, and here we are now in a situation whereby we will talk about Monaco later, but you look at it and you say, well, Monaco surely are going to get one of the, the places in the top three. Ren. I think deserve to, and therefore, what do you say about Marseille? You know, it looks like there's a chance they could miss out. I know they need just a point next weekend, but on the basis of how they played last night, they might not get it. And and can I? Yeah, I know, but but yeah, sorry. No, on, I just, finish. I just, I just want to say again about Ren because obviously, you know, being at the game last night, uh, a privilege to go to Roslyn Park. I know that it's a place that you enjoy going to as well, Matt. Um, I didn't manage to come close to equaling Ian's records of uh, eight Galit Sosis. I only had about two and a half, unfortunately, but I thought that was a decent effort. I mean, that's 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 still okay. Um, but, you know, just just a fabulous atmosphere. I mean, I just think they're such a dynamic club and, and I think, you know, they've been that way for a long time and now finally they have a team on the park that are delivering as well over the last couple of years. But I think they've got a great support. I think they've got a great stadium, not the biggest in Ligue 1, but terrific atmosphere, really vibrant place on a match day, you know, because you can walk to the stadium from the city centre and um, you know, I, I just I just feel like they they kind of deserve to certainly at least take fourth place and go into the Europa League and have a good crack at that. They are um, they they feel like a club that are going places, uh, and I'm just not sure you can say the same about Marseille because also a lot of players in that team who were playing last night will not be there next season, and you do wonder what kind of a team they're going to have, whether they get into the Champions League or not. Yeah, but you can ask questions about Ren as well we know that Bourgeois and Amory Traore have got a year left and uh, could be leaving but you know we'll, 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 we'll have to wait and see but there are so many questions to ask and we simply don't have time to, to ask <laughs> all of them but 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 you know you're saying you know we, 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 we're piling the praise on Ren and uh, obviously kicking the boot putting the boot into into Marseille Marseille are three points above Ren going sure. into the uh, yeah in, in, no 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 but I, I I take that on board it was a non-match it was a non-performance from them on Saturday night and I think physically they also got to a European semi-final they've played they've played a lot of matches and I would say yes they only need a point Marseille to to make sure of a top three finish but they're playing Strasbourg 
who who are in brilliant form. But when you say that Monaco looks certain, you know, and they're definitely going to finish top three. And again, we'll talk about Monaco in a minute. But they go to Lens, and that you know that is not going to be easy. They could easy they they could get turned over. But Luke, before we move on to Monaco, um, do you want to sort of wallow? In, in the glory of your prediction that Marseille are going to struggle to, to qualify for the Champions League. I assume you're going to stand by that still. I'd absolutely love to wallow in it. No, honestly, when it came, I was saying it a few weeks before I came on the pod and said it. Um, and anyone that would care to listen did kind of raise their eyebrows at, at what I was saying. But I was kind of just looking at the calendar, uh, watching a lot of Marseille and just seeing that massive over-reliance on Dimitri Payet in terms of creativity. And just thinking they've got so many games, the injuries towards the end of that campaign could start to pile up as they since have just because of the sheer backlog of fixtures, uh, especially with the European fixtures and getting so far and deep into the uh, Europa Conference League. And just looking, okay, you finish on Rennes and Strasbourg and probably both of them are going to be competing for some form of European football at the end of the season. Uh, obviously, the only thing was that they had points on the table. Uh, and when I spoke about Andy with it a couple of weeks ago, there were six points clear. So it's, it kind of looked slightly less likely at that point. Um, but I always looked at the calendar, kind of saw their over-reliance on a couple of key players, even William Saliba as well at the back, and just kind of saw the potentiality for that to just implode a little bit towards the end of the season. It's not quite happened. I mean, you know, we'll find out next week. No, but, um, but like, you know, but again, when you say all they had in their favour was points on the board, <laughs> it's kind of all they have in their favour now. And it is quite it's important. important when... yeah. Yeah. But, <laughs> that, that that football. but but there are shades of, there are shades of 2018, right? I mean, this could still happen. I mean, I know in 2018, they lost the Europa League final. This time they lost the semi-final. Dimitri Payet went off injured in the in the Europa League final in 2018, on this occasion he's he's out the rest of the season uh, with that injury, and and obviously in 2018 they just missed out on a top uh, top three place in the league. To I think it was Lyon who picked them to Lyon and Monaco. This time the same thing could happen. They, they're knackered. That's the the main thing to take away from this. They're knackered. Yep. William Saliba, I can say, has been uh, voted as the best young player in France this season. Well done to him. He got. Um, a mark of two out of ten uh, in L'Equipe on, on Saturday night. <laughs> uh, he did look to be struggling, both he and Ancelotti are. But let's let's talk about Monaco now. I, I think I find it absolutely astonishing that Monaco are second in the league standings uh, two months ago or even six weeks ago. I remember when I went down for the for the game against PSG, and there were all sorts of stories that yeah, there was wholesale changes being being planned. Um, Petrov was on his way. Mitchell was on his way. Clement, the coach, was uh, was on his way. Um, nine victories later, they're, they're they're second in the league. Before I bring you in, Luke, let's let's listen to the commentary. It was a wonderful game. Um, Tony Jeffers had the um, had the fortune of being at the Stade Louis Deux to commentate uh, Monaco against Brest. Here's what happened. It's the edge of the penalty area, first time shot, and there's the goal. One 0 Now was that from the training ground? Beautifully worked, Jean-Kevin Duvelna. Goodness me, that was poetry in motion. It's well won, very well won indeed. Here comes Bellaly on loan. He's through again, all the way through, brilliant! What a goal! Youssef Bellaly! Oh my word! Would you believe it? 2-0, pressed, 2-0 up. And the second goal, well, that's come against the run of play. But goodness me, they've got to renew his loan. They've got to extend it, Brest. Benyeda. 
against Bizot. Brilliant! 2-1, Monaco back in the game. Benyeda, 22 goals in league and this season. As cool as you like. Great touch, Benyeda. Goes past two, and there it is! Equalizer! Who else? Benyeda, the headman. Monaco back in the game, back in the race for Champions League places. Brilliant, it's been coming. They've been knocking at the breast door since the start of the second half. It's a desperate block. Ricochet takes the ball wide out. There's the header, 3-2. Brilliant, and the hat-trick for the hitman, Wissam Ben Yedda. Brilliant play. My, oh my, what a striker. Look at that. Cheered by everybody. First by Giannini, by Di Sassi, by Volant. That's how important Wissam Ben Yedda is to this team. Prince Albert's on his feet. So is the president. Monaco back in the game, back in the race for Europe. What a comeback. Ball might yet fall, and it does. And there it is, number four, Volant. Brilliant predatory instincts in the box this time by the German. Yes, yeah, so a wonderful victory, 4-2 to Monaco. And uh, you could probably hear from uh, from Tony's excitement, particularly <laughs> Particularly with Wissam Ben Yedda and uh, and that hat trick, um, they were they were they were mightily impressive because you know Brest on their day are a good side. Brest raced into that two goal lead and it was you know it was like okay well they've won eight in a row Monaco but they're going to slip up now. Um, Luke, you were there. Uh, was there was there always a feeling they were going to come back? Yeah, I mean going to that racing uh, kind of analogy from earlier, you know, there's been lots of twists and turns in this Monaco season, but since they've been on the finish straight, they've really hit the accelerator and just kind of run away with it a little bit. Um, I feel as though there was kind of within the stadium a bit of a feeling that that two-goal deficit wasn't wasn't terminal for them last night. Uh, this, the, stand, the the fans in the stadium definitely didn't think so, and they were still very buoyant even at two 0 down. Um, I mean, Brest were just extremely efficient whenever they broke. They kind of managed to, to cut through through the, the, the Monaco defence and create either a very good chance or or score. And they should have had three, to be honest, if not for a fingertip Nubel save. And, and at that point, I think you could have probably said that, that that's probably that. But I think with this side in, in recent times, obviously since you were last there, they've scored, uh, they, they've won nine in a row. There's a sense of kind of inevitability with lots of these Monaco matches, especially the ones at home where they're, this season uh, just playing absolutely incredibly. I, I can't remember the statistic, but I think there's about 14, 15, 16 games that they've, they've, uh, before they last lost at the Stade Louis So it's a real fortress for them this season, especially in the second half of the season, even if it's not just, just a loss. So it's not taken into account the, uh, the Rams match, um, which was a, a bit of a, a shocker just before the, um, before the Strasbourg one, which is when the whole season capit- uh, capitulated. But since that PSG match... Um, it's hard to say exactly what's happened. I think there's an element of uh, that international break coming at the right time and then they've just kicked on from there. Brest was just another one that you kind of, even though they were telling it. Yeah, Nubel did make a couple of really good saves. The goals in in the game, uh, most of them were were brilliant goals. That use of Belayli, I mean, he's really he's really come good in, in the last few weeks for Brest. An Algerian playmaker, um, our friend Armel Tangi suggests he's, you know, he's better on on social media than he is on the football pitch because he is a he's, he's a big player, 
um, on Instagram, I think. Very popular figure. Um, but he but he's showing his skills and it was a brilliant dribble. And Andy, the, the Ben Yedda hat trick, again, it was one of those moments in, in our multiplex coverage on Saturday night that was absolutely fantastic because... Um, uh, ben Yedda had the the uh, sorry Ben Yedda scored the hat trick which took him to twenty four goals this season just as Kylian Mbappe was putting the ball down to take his penalty, um, so we were thinking you know surely Mbappe is going to let Messi have his hat trick because Messi already had two goals and we're like well actually you know he's probably got his eye on the golden boot as well um, Mbappe so I, I think Ben Yedda was level with Mbappe for about ten seconds on 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 twenty four goals the the uh, the second goal in particular. I thought Andy when when Ben Yedda, it, it was a futsal goal. We we know that he that he learned his trade playing futsal, but it, but this sort of close dribble. And actually, Tony in the commentary compared him to Romario, which Philip Clement has also compared him to Romario. But you know the the the, the stocky frame and those close skills that you know he's he's a different player and a special player. He's not quite like Romario because I think one of the things about Romario was that Romario didn't. He didn't run, and and I, I was just I was just reading I'm reading a book at the moment by Simon Cooper about Barcelona, and he he makes a point in it about Romario that that basically Romario used to kind of have a nap on the pitch, and then suddenly he would he would kind of set off on a run. But Ben Yedder is actually quite a busy player, you know. He's not he's not quite like that, but low centre of gravity, kind of big backside, you know. And um, that I'm, I'm trying to remember that goal because I was watching it um, after <laughs> I apologise, but after the Ren game, I was sitting in the press box uh, doing some work after the game had finished and also watching the goals from other games. But, but it was like a toe poke. That's right. it was like he, he went past yes, the defender, yes. edge of the box, and he, because he shot so quickly, yeah. the goalkeeper just didn't even have time to react. No, I mean, a great goal. Sorry, because they, they, were, they were building it. They were making a, a, a nightclub on the pitch at the stadium in Wren. And, this was and you happening. were going for more Gallets. No, I was, I, was trying, I was just looking forward to getting out of there. But, but it was quite, I was being distracted by this. But I was watching the goals and obviously an incredible comeback by Monaco. Absolutely astonishing. I, mean, I was obviously keeping an eye on the... The Monaco game while well, I was commentating a Ren match just to see what the score was. And when I saw they were 2-0 down after, you know, 20 minutes or whatever, I couldn't believe it. You know, I just couldn't believe it. Um obviously they were given a bit of a helping hand or upper arm by the um by the penalty just before half time. I mean, any team who's 2-0 down in the first half, if they can get a goal back just before half time, it's always a big um a big help. Um and VAR helping out with that one. I mean Ben Yadair's been sensational. Um I was just looking there at the, it's it's ten wins in eleven, isn't it, for Monaco? They had the nine wins in a row and and um, and the one other win in that time at the end of February. You mentioned Luke the the, the game against Rance, which is just before they lost in the cup semi final to Nantes uh, on penalties. They were uh, they were on I think thirty eight points after twenty six games. They've taken thirty points in the eleven games since then, and they've gone from being I think nine points behind Marseille ahead of them on on goal difference. I mean, they were completely dead and buried in in the running for any European football whatsoever. So for them to have turned things around to that extent, of course, they may be setting themselves up for a fall because, as you say, they've got to go to Lens at the weekend and and that will be difficult. And um, who knows, maybe they'll run out of steam. I mean, you're a better place than us, Luke, to tell us if you think they might run out of steam, given that you watch them, you know, every week, certainly every home game. But, you know, they've they've got the momentum, that's for sure. Monaco's next opponent, Lens, um, are still in contention. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a quick briefing of how the standings look before what is going to be a, a, a really exciting final evening. So Paris Saint-Germain, um, Robbie will be uh, having a go at me if I don't mention them. They, they, they won. And of course, we need to mention Paris Saint-Germain. They, they won. They're 15 points clear now. Lionel Messi with his first double um, away to Montpellier. Uh, Ankel Di Maria was also on target. Mbappe. Uh, with that penalty as well. So 4-0, a big win 
Montpellier continue to to meander towards the the end of this season. They're down in 13th place. But PSG top, um, 15 points behind them. Then we've got Monaco, who are in second on 68. Marseille have 68 points as well. Uh, Their goal difference is four worse than Monaco's. Um, In fourth place, we've got Rennes on 65 points. We've got Strasbourg in fifth on 63. Nice in sixth on 63 points. Lens in seventh on 61. So the top five, only the top five going into Europe because Nantes uh, have won the cup and they're going into the Europa League. But Lens are not out of it because they're two points behind Strasbourg and Nice. So if Lens do manage to beat Monaco, which would be a great achievement, it's going to be a phenomenal atmosphere at the Stade Felix Bollard because they've had a, a wonderful season and the fans have been terrific all season. Um, yeah, if they do win, then they're hoping that Strasbourg lose at Marseille and Nice lose at Reims, both of which I think are possible. I'm not saying Nice will lose at Reims. Luke's, Luke's looking dubious. But look, I, I tell you what, Reims, Reims are fit. You know, they've got nothing to play for, but they went and won at Saint-Etienne this weekend. They got Hugo Eketike back and he looked very sharp when he came on in the, in the, in the second half. And listen, we're going to talk a bit about Nice now um, because it's been a huge week for them. They lost the Coupe de France final um, to Nantes. It looked like they were going from bad to worse when they went 2-0 down um, at halftime against Saint-Etienne on Wednesday night and they they were terrific in the second half and won 4-2. And again it looked like fortunes were improving. They were 1-0 up against Lille and then um yeah it all it, it all went pear-shaped, it all went wrong. Jonathan David scored twice for Lille. Timothy Weir got a, a third at the end. And um we were talking about this a little bit on air how Jocelyn Gorvenek, the Lille coach will you know in all the press conferences of course he'll be saying, you know, this isn't a special game for me against Christoph Geltier. Of course, you know, there's nothing, you know, nothing nothing personal and what, and what have you but I tell you what inwardly he must be he must be really happy I, I reckon because he's been compared to Galtier all season long you're not as good as Galtier he got thrashed 4-0 by by Nice's Galtier in, in, in Lille and um, yeah he'll be happy because obviously it strengthens his position but to talk about Nice um, Andy it's it's you know we talk about Marseille being tired Nice I mean they've had a, an exhausting week with that, with that Coupe de France final, those two Ligue 1 games, and to lose to Lille, to drop to sixth, um, uh, it's 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 not going to be that easy for them to rally and to go to Reims and, and get the result they need. No, uh, I mean I remember, uh, I mean this this sort of poor run that they've been on has been going on for a, a, a you go back to sort of just before the March international break um, where they beat Paris Saint Germain just after getting to the cup final, they were they were in second place in the league and, and through to the cup final then. Results began to drop, and I remember Morgan Schneiderlin um, giving a, an interview, uh, speaking in a pretty much press conference. He was asked about, you know, was he worried about this lump in form? This is a few weeks ago, and he said, "Well, no." He said, "Well, you know, we can still have a great season, um, but if we if we don't win the cup and fail to qualify for Europe in the league, then it will have been a terrible season." Now, here we are in a situation where it's looking like obviously they've not won the cup, and um, there's a real danger they won't qualify for Europe at all. And that is, you know, that is a disaster for a club who obviously have um, very wealthy owners in, in Ineos and brought in Christophe Galtier ahead of this season because they, they wanted to make it to the Champions League, at the very least finish fourth. They've missed out on winning a first trophy in, in 25 years. They, they were second best in the cup final, has to be said. They've looked short of inspiration in attack for quite a long time now, with the exception of Andy Delors, who was 
really unlucky not to score against Lille. That header that he had, which hit both posts and then sort of rolled and dribbled along the line until it was cleared away. Um, on current form, they don't deserve to finish in the top five and therefore don't deserve to qualify for Europe. But, you know, the, it, it, the, the fall away from them is very concerning. And I know that there are one or two whispers now about possibly Christoph Geltier's future being, you know, being in doubt. I'm, I'm not sure if that will... You know, it, I think there's yeah. a lot. There's a lot going on, isn't there, behind <clears throat> yeah. the scenes? I mean, you know, I talked to a Nice fan after the cup final, and he was just fuming with with the players. Uh, just you know, how can you turn up and play like that in a cup well, final? Because, do they care? Do, do they but, care about all these fans? But because and, they've been, you know, playing, he, he was. Yeah, I mean, it's because that's the way they've been playing for a number of weeks. Then they, they don't look like scoring goals. I mean, they just, they just. I mean, they got four against. Yeah, but even, <laughs> but even sort of collectively, you know, he was wondering if there, you know, if there are rifts in the in the camp. Was Possibly. there a, an argument in the dressing room before the game? Was was I'm not accusing Mario Lamina, but we were discussing this and the fact that he was left out, and um, we know he's a he's, he's he's a strong personality, and you know, you do wonder about that. But uh, you know, Jim Ratcliffe as well, the the owner. Um, has been completely silent apart from making bids for Chelsea. And his his official bid came three or four days before the cup final where, you know, well, for, for, from a Nice perspective, I mean, you know, I, I if I were a Nice fan, I, I would be most unhappy about it because it, it, it is unsettling. We know that, you know, Nice's aim is to get in the Champions League. Uh, you couldn't be in the Champions League under Ratcliffe if Chelsea are in the Champions League under Ratcliffe. It didn't happen. And I'm not saying he's wrong to 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 do it, but yeah, it, I I just wonder really what is going on. And you talk about Galtier um, whispers that Julian Fournier doesn't get on with Christophe Galtier, and that Galtier is unhappy that he didn't get the players that he wanted. All sorts all sorts of reports, and things things are going to go 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 on. Obviously, in the summer, we'll have to wait and see if they're going to be in Europe. They can't get into the Champions League now, but they can secure either Europa League or Europa Conference if results go their way on Saturday. But yeah, I mean, just on Nice, I mean, there seems to be a slight motivation area, I feel, kind of issue with them. I mean, I was in uh, Plasma Centre in Nice for the, uh, in the fan park for the, for the cup final. And in terms of a fan park, you'll, you'll rarely see a quieter one. They just did not give anything at all to kind of get that big crowd. And there are thousands of people in, in this square. Uh, and it was, it was silent for, for large, large parts of that match, which I think is just crazy. And, and then I was also at, at the match uh, versus Saint-Étienne in midweek when obviously there was those kind of uh, pretty awful chance directed at um, Emiliano Sala and at, uh, at Frappas as well. Um, and in that first half, they just looked absolutely dire. It was that 50-50 balls, nowhere near any of them, the slow in possession, you know, the centre-backs were being caught on the ball multiple times. And to be honest, I, I thought that Saint-Étienne at that point were going to run away at the game and, and win it. Obviously, that didn't happen. But there's, there's clearly some kind of underlying technical quality there that is just not being uh, kind of solicited all the time during the match. I mean, a great half against Antetian, a great half here, a great half there. But at the minute, they're just not stringing together 90-minute performances to, to build anything. Just, uh, um, Luke, just the, you know, the, the, the song that was sung, the despicable you know, song uh, about Emiliano Sala, um, was sung by, by some, maybe you know, certainly more than a handful, but some fans. And I think it's important we don't tarnish all the Nice fans, all the ultras with the, with, the, with the same brush. And Nice very quickly made a statement condemning it. Christophe Galtier was fuming. They all wore Emiliano Sala shirts um, in, in, in the warm-up on Saturday. So just, to, you know, I, it's not something that Nice are, are proud of. Andy, you, you, you want to come in? No, I, I just wanted to, there was two things I was going to say about the Nice team, actually. One is that Kasper Dolberg 
you know, what's happened to him. It's actually quite sad, really, because he has just disappeared off the face of the earth, despite the fact that he's quite often in the team. He's not scored a league goal since January. Uh, he did nothing in the cup final. Um, and, and I know that, obviously, the, the, the Saint-Étienne game gave them a lift. But if, if you if you, apart from that one game... They have been so, so flat for such a long time. I just wanted to say as well that, that, you know, you said just then that William Saliba has been named Young Player of the Year in France. I I actually have been tremendously impressed by Jean-Claire Todibo for Nice this season. And and I know that they've they've still had a very good defensive record um, up until at least the last couple of of games. Todibo alongside Danchi in midfield in in central defence, very impressive for for large parts of the season. And, um, you know, they they do have young players who who, who have big futures ahead of them as they have this huge rumble of thunder just just to my left. So the the storm is coming. The storm is coming. Thunder in in Paris as we await Kylian Mbappe's uh, uh, speech for for, for, for winning the the, the award of player of the season. I I just will finish on these, but it's interesting you mentioned Todibo because one thing I... One thing struck me on Wednesday night when they beat Saint-Étienne 4-2, and I, I agree with you, I think he's been really impressive. I think he's a good defender. But in, in his interview post-match, I just found it quite odd. He was obviously very happy, but he he, he kind of put the victory down to himself. <laughs> right, now, he basically said that So there were some strong words at halftime. I decided to, um, to, to, to stand up and say a few words, and I told, you know, I told my teammates that we're better than this and we've got to do better and this isn't good enough and we're Nice Football Club and whatever or OGC Nice or maybe not Nice Football Club, whatever they are. <laughs> anyway, um, and, and I thought it was a bit weird. It was like, you know, maybe you don't need to come out and say that. And then at the end of saying all this, he said, oh, and the captain Dante also said them some words and then the coach also kind of did a tactical tweak. It was almost <laughs> like he realised he'd gone a bit far there. Um, but that also made me wonder a bit about unity, but I'm probably reading too much into it um yeah no andy's shrugging yeah um, yeah yeah you, you can, i think i think we're reading too much into everything should we just <laughs> should we just stop this this nonsense the results the results are what are what really matter and strasbourg won again they've been unbelievable um home and away but particularly at home at the stade de la meno adrian thomason scored one of those headers he's a, he's like a specialist of long range headers he makes these runs to the edge of the box and just powers the header over the goalkeeper he did that uh, against Claremont. That was enough to get the victory. It was very odd at the final whistle because the Claremont players were celebrating more than the Strasbourg players. But it's a massive achievement for them. They they heard that Saint-Étienne had lost. Claremont have stayed up. And um, yeah, first season ever in, in the top tier and they're going to have a second season. So, you know, fair play to them. I, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to Marseille-Strasbourg in the last day of the season. I was out having dinner with, um, with a Strasbourg uh, fan on, on Friday evening and he was talking about Remembering the the win against Inter in the I think it was the UEFA Cup in the late night maybe nineteen ninety seven or something like that and and it's just great to see Strasbourg fans excited about the the prospect of of another I know they had a, a brief foray in Europe a couple of years ago after they won the Coupe de la Ligue but you know the fact is they're going into the last day of the season with a chance of qualifying for Europe and the fans are excited and I think it's already guaranteed to be their best finish in the league since nineteen eighty one is that right. And which is just after they won their, their one and only league title in 1979. So, um, yeah, I mean, fantastic season for them. Whether whether they qualify for Europe now or not, it's been a tremendous season. Absolutely. Lens still in the uh, in the battle after their 3-1 win against Troyes. Troyes took the lead. You shouldn't take the lead against Lens. Uh, Luke warned the Monaco players, don't take the lead against Lens. They're so good at coming back. And, and, and they did. They came back 1-3-1. Um, Arno Kalimwendo scored a cracking goal. He's got 12 now. 
uh, in the league, the player on loan from PSG at the age of 20. Impressive achievement from him. Lance Monaco will be uh, a big, big match uh, next Saturday night. Let's uh, let's have our deja vu now because uh, I know a lot of people uh, are tuning in for that. We've had uh, a lot of participants trying to guess um, Robbie's latest clue. Now, I think Andy Scott will agree with me and probably Luke as well. Um, this was the hardest. This was definitely the hardest we've 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 had yet. So, if you didn't get it, um, don't don't worry. I didn't get it either. Andy didn't get it. I, I, I'll ask Luke afterwards if he got it. But um, this was the clue. Uh, last week's Deja Vu. Um, born and raised in Africa, I moved to France when I was 18, signing my first professional contract two years later. I played in the UEFA Champions League, but I never played in Ligue 1, despite playing my entire senior career in France. Injured, I watched as my team made the Coupe de France final against my former team and briefly played for my country, but my career never hit the heights promised me as a 19-year-old. At least I can still say I played alongside Marquinhos, Ludovic Ajorc, Ulrich Rame, Luca Digne and Thomas Mangane and against Mohamed Salah, Nemanja Matic, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, uh, Yannick Carrasco and James Rodriguez. Who am I? Um, okay, so um, we did get some correct... Incredibly, we did get some correct answers. Um, Jared Fadden didn't get it right. He said that was a really hard one, but he's enjoying the podcast. Davorty says, with respect... Um, this was another tough one. Honestly, I can't quite put my finger on it. He or she must have moved to PSG, got their Champions League debut, then moved to Angers or Auxerre. There's something I'm missing. But best of luck to whoever gets it. Um, yeah, so who have we got? Uh, correct answers. Unfortunately, you didn't win. But Pete Shea uh, got it right. And he also sent in. So Pete has has done a spreadsheet. I don't know if he does this for every Deja Who. But it is absolutely brilliant. He's done a spreadsheet where he's got all these different categories, you know, playing for PSG, playing against this player, playing against this, and um, and and again, he he puts the player he thinks and sees it, sees if he if he gets ticks for everything. So that's absolutely um, ingenious. The winner though of the Kylian Mbappe shirt is Habiba. Congratulations to Habiba, a long time listener. Um, producer Robbie says that Habib first answered Deja Vu back in May 2020. So this has been a long time in coming. Well done, Habib Bar. Do um, get in touch, league1podcast at gmail.com and we'll make sure you get that Kylian Mbappe PSG shirt. Um, this week's clue, guys. Hold on. Did, um, hold on. Did, did, Andy, sorry, did you say... have I not given the answer? No. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good it's point. So difficult, it's so difficult that the person so... doesn't actually exist. <laughs> sorry. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> Bear with me. Um, Khalifa Traore is the answer. <laughs> Andy's looking blank. I, I, Luke's I, I, smiling. I mean, I've just I've just looked him up again and, and realised. So Khalifa Traore played, I think possibly still does play for Les Herbiers, who were the third division team who got to the cup final in 2018 and lost to PSG, right? They lost at 2-0. And I was at the, that cup final and I thought, I have, I have no recollection of the guy, but of course, Robbie said he, he was injured and didn't play in the final. But I mean, that is, you know, Robbie, Robbie's gone down, he's gone down a, a transfer mark to rabbit hole on the <laughs> I internet. I think when the and, guy, and, <laughs> when he says the guy never played in Ligue 1, I mean, this is the official Ligue 1 Uber's podcast. That, that should probably be a criteria. But uh, Khalifa Traore, everybody remember the name, um, playing for Les Herbiers in the French uh, third tier. And uh, again, congratulations to, to Habib Bar. Phenomenal stuff. This week's Deja Who, it, it's easier, I think. Um, the prize this week 
is you get your name called out and you get the glory of winning because we don't have a prize. I'm not quite sure what's going on if we've run out of shirts, but you know, it's it's the glory of winning the Deja Who. And you know, that's what the <laughs> game's about. That's what football's about. So, you know, here we go. Here's this week's Deja Who. Born in France's South, I made my professional debut in white and blue at the same time as I conquered Europe with Les Espoirs, Les Espoirs and was named Ligue 1 Young Player of the Year. It was with this first club that I served the first of several lengthy bands that would hamper my career and ultimately cost me a place in the pantheon of French football. In total, I played for six French clubs. I won two Ligue 1 titles with one of them, either side of a Coupe de France title with another. A move overseas finally saw me reconcile my devilish nature with football, but my domestic success failed to bring me recognition in bleu. Ironically, it was when I hung up my boots that I began to represent my country once again at football, winning both a Euro and a World Cup with France. If you know the answer, league1podcast at gmail.com. Andy, do you do you know the answer? No. Without telling us? No, no, I, I don't, no. I thought, I thought... I thought it was not easy, but gettable, Luke. Oh, yeah, I mean, I, I thought the same. I thought it, it was quite obvious, but then I just actually couldn't put my finger on it at all. So, um, yeah, I'm not sure what's what's going on with that one, to be honest. I, I saw it and just like, how am I not getting this? But uh, but here we are. Okay, well, Robbie has confused you. I don't think he's confused me, to be honest, but, you know, I, I haven't seen the answer yet. So, um Let's move on. Let's move on and let's talk relegation because it was also very, very dramatic at the bottom. Um, Andy, I'm not sure how much you were you were following what was happening at the bottom, but it was uh, it was a funny night. It was a it was a strange night, in particular at Bordeaux. Uh, the Bordeaux Lorient was the game that we were focusing the most on. Bordeaux started the night uh, bottom of the league. They basically had to win. It was pretty much their their, their last chance. They were up against a Lorient side in 17th. Lorient were three points above 18th so um given that Saint-Étienne lost I'm kind of giving things away here uh, a draw was enough for Lorient to secure their their top flight status but it was a super strange atmosphere because the Bordeaux fans we have talked a lot about fans in recent weeks but it, it's been a, an, an extraordinary few weeks in in French football the Bordeaux fans have generally been supporting their team this year having watched Bordeaux slump to the bottom of the table with 89 goals conceded. I know there was that rift, that argument between Benoit Costil and, and, and some of the uh, and some of the ultras, but overall the atmosphere has been positive. Well, on Saturday night, they they all decided they were basically gonna have a party, ignore what was happening on the pitch, really, and just kind of make fun, cheer, cheer when uh, Lorient did something well and just laugh when when Bordeaux did something badly. And it, it was tough for the Bordeaux players. Uh, I saw at one point Huang Weizhou took a corner. The ball came back to him, sort of quite high up. Um, I think it was played back to him by a Bordeaux player and he tried to control it and it went out into touch and I think Huang might have fallen over at the same time. It was just like a comical, horrible moment. And they all, uh, and behind the goal, they all jumped up like they were celebrating a goal. And it was just, it, it was it was kind of humiliating um, that a player sent off, Gideon Mensah. Huang actually had three chances, two of which were quite good chances and missed them and it was just um it was it was just quite unpleasant actually uh, f- the final whistle we had a lot of bordeaux players in tears i've been saying you know what do these bordeaux players care about this football club you know and i don't mean that in a that you know they don't care it's just that they, they don't have any relation you know they don't have strong links with bordeaux a lot of them came in january 
Um, a lot of them aren't French. They've come from other leagues. So, you know, they don't they don't know about this this institution, this this football club. But they, you know, they were obviously bitterly disappointed. And uh, Andy, ninety nine percent Bordeaux are, are in the second division because they they can stay up. They're still obviously bottom. They're three points behind Metz and behind Saint Etienne. Um, they have a dreadful goal difference. So. I haven't kind of worked it all out. Maybe you have, Andy. I don't know how many they have to win by in, in, in the final game, but basically they're down, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. They're three points behind Mess and Saint-Étienne um, with, with a worse goal difference. I mean, the goal difference is um, six worse than Saint-Étienne and 12 worse than Mess. Now, I suppose the one caveat is that Mess play away to PSG on the last day, so it's not beyond the realms of possibility that Mess will get absolutely hammered by PSG, for example, and Bordeaux could then win by, I don't know, just four goals and that might somehow get them into the playoff. But it's obviously very unlikely. I mean, they're a team who, who have got, just got terrible defensive problems. They somehow they managed to keep a clean sheet at the weekend. But they they, 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 they deserve to go down. And and I, I mean, I remember, I've, I think I've said this before, but, you know, we did the podcast at the beginning of last season. It seems like a lifetime ago now, but I, I was in Lisbon having just been at the Champions League final um, the night before, I think when PSG lost... To Bayern, it was also the first weekend of, of last season, incredibly, um, in empty stadiums and, and all the rest of it. And I think, or I think possibly even before that, and you, you asked me, you know, who was going to go down? And um, and I said, well, I could see Bordeaux and Saint-Étienne really struggling. That was last season. Obviously, they stayed up last season, but now we're in a situation where they, they both might be automatically relegated uh, this coming weekend. I mean... You know, you said they're an institution. They really are. They're a great name, and I mean, one of the sort of romantic names in French football. The the the, the iconic shirt, um, six time champions, the the club of Jean Tigana, Alain Gires, and 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 all these other great players. A team who've not been <clears throat> out of the top division in thirty years. In in nineteen ninety one, they were they were. I love this term. In in they were administratively relegated. So they finished like. 10th in the league but because of their financial situation they were kicked out of the top division and forced to play in the second division the next season now they came straight back up and I believe I think I'm right in saying I might not be have my, my timing exactly spot on but I think after coming coming back up in 1992 they signed a chap called Zinedine Zidane um, and then of course things very quickly improved they got to a UEFA Cup final they won the league in 1999 and they won it again under Laurent Blanc they've been you know they've won trophies they've got to the Champions League quarterfinals They've been a great name in French football, but for a number of years now, they have been in in a bad way, and and it has come to this point now where really it, relegation is it's been coming, and you feel that it's something they might just need. And having said that, they've probably got one year to have a crack at the second division to come back up. Otherwise, things really could go south. And we've seen teams like Strasbourg, you know, fall out of the professional game altogether before coming back. And and you do wonder. Where Bordeaux are going to go because they're and the they're problem, mess, Andy. The mess. problem is, the problem is next year that we're we're reducing the, the the top flight to eighteen teams. So we've got just two teams coming up and four teams coming down. So you 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 could there is a very real danger. Yeah, that Bordeaux will become a, a Nottingham Forest, a Sheffield Wednesday. Uh, you know, they 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 may well struggle to come up. I, I just wanted to say that I think my wife would uh, relegate me administratively if if she could because ad- administration wise. I'm, it's not my thing, so you know I, I I don't know if that's a thing in in marriages or anything. But Luke, um, uh, Bordeaux almost down, Saint Etienne obviously in a very nervy position, and Saint Etienne are now second bottom, so they were beaten 
uh, 2-1 by Rouse on on Saturday night. Um, I mentioned that Hugo Ekatike was uh, was back in the action. He didn't score. Dumbia got the uh, got the got the winning goal for Rouse, but they're they're playing some nice football. Rouse. Um, it was a sorry another sorry night though. Saint-Étienne were playing behind closed doors. Um, a dreadful defeat for them. So we've got these two illustrious clubs in the bottom two, and we've got Mets who have risen from the dead. I mean, it's incredible. You know, a week ago they were gone. They've managed to beat Leon three two. Um, and now they've defeated Angers by by a goal to nil. Another goal from Didier Lamkelze, um, who's just been an incredible signing. He was playing in in Russia, and they've been able to bring him in just in the last month or so. Um, he scored three goals. He scored some big goals. He's uh, he's clearly a character. Um, and Mets are above Saint Etienne and Bordeaux going to the final game. So just in case there are any doubts, you know, 18th place in France plays a Ligue 2 side. Um, for the right to stay in the division. So you've got a chance, a good chance, arguably. It's tough for the League 2 team who already have to play a playoff before to get to that final. Um, Luke, you're you're the man who can see into the future. Mets have got the points on the board. <laughs> <laughs> They've got the better goal difference. But what, what is fascinating, Andy, Andy mentioned it, you know, let's say everybody loses. It could come ga- down to goal difference. Mets have six better goal difference th- than Saint-Étienne. But if Saint-Étienne only lose by one to Nantes, for example, um, and and Mbappe wants to go out with a bang against Mets, that could be the drama as well. You know, they could be five down. It's like, can they hang on to a 5-0 defeat or something? No, I mean, it's it's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, Mets, I'm just looking at the table at the minute because it's obviously you have to get your head around quite a lot. But I, you you wouldn't put it past PSG turning up on the last day of the season. They're that kind of club. Um Pressure's off, they'll kind of turn up, they'll, they'll score a few. Um, I, I don't hold up any hope for Mets winning that, so it's all about what happens between Saint-Étienne and, and Nantes. But, I mean, you have to really commend what Mets have done in the last few weeks. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what the turning point has been, but they look dead and buried weeks and weeks ago. I mean, they've won the last two. They've not done that all season. Um, I just, yeah, I, I'd completely written them off completely. Um, and now it looks like they could be sending both Saint-Étienne and Bordeaux down. Um, which, uh... I think I think we've 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 got to be honest as well, Luke, and say that I you know I think Mets are fortunate that there are. I mean, this is going to sound bad that there are so many bad teams, but I mean, like seriously, this year you look, Mets have got thirty-one points and and they might stay up. I mean, thirty-one is very poor. And Lorient, so Lorient survived thanks to their draw in Bordeaux. This was another post-match interview, Andy. Maybe I'm, I'm reading too much into it, but it was Vincent Le Goff. Um, Lorient were all celebrating. Um, they 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 were nil nil, so they got a nil nil draw at Bordeaux. Bordeaux played with ten men for the last minute, um, and Legoff said, "Yeah, the coach Christophe Pelissier told us that Saint Etienne had lost because um, the Bordeaux game finished a bit later because of the there was crowd disturbances. They were throwing on toilet paper in the first half, and it took quite a while to clear up. Um, anyway, Legoff said, "Yeah, the coach told us that Saint Etienne um, had lost, so that we only needed a draw, and that is what gave us the extra strength to hang on." And I thought, mate, you had 11 men. You were playing against 10-man Bordeaux. And, you know, without those words from Christophe Alessia, you wouldn't have had the strength to hold were on. They, were they bien en place? No, <laughs> not really. You know, Neither team were particularly bien, bien en place. Do you know, this is, this is obviously the thing that we joke about a lot, the, 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 classic, uh, the classic phrase from the players when they come off the pitch at halftime in a, in a boring nil-nil draw is that on était bien en place. We were, we were well organised. And I was laughing with a colleague about this because, um, as you know, I was I was at the French National um, Training Centre at Clairefontaine 
<clears throat> south of Paris last week um, for for um, to, to play in a football tournament. Actually, um, not quite on the same level as as the lads who usually at Clairefontaine. But and and uh, you may have I think you've been there, Matt. If I'm if I'm not mistaken. And when you go into to Clairefontaine, sort of below where the where the, the famous chateau is, where the the, the first team stay um, when they go on international duty. So next to that, there are kind of the offices, and underneath that, there is kind of a reception area and the museum and the auditorium and stuff in this kind of modern building which overlooks uh, a football pitch. And when you go in there, there is a wall with all kinds of uh, inspirational phrases, you know, you know, phrases from Zidane and all these other guys. I couldn't find anywhere the phrase "bien en place" at Clairefontaine. So something clearly has gone wrong. In in you know that this there is... are a few yeah <laughs> there are a few French phrases "bien bien en place." The the other thing they talk about quite a lot. It's more like what they used to talk about because we've got a lot of goals. It's a lot more attacking these days. But when it was a bit stodgy mm. uh, in Ligue 1 and the commentators and, and the players would they talk about an a. a Un round d'observation, like an observation <laughs> round. So it's like this is, you know, it's currently the observation round where we kind of pass the ball about yeah. defence and observe yeah, yeah. our opponents a bit. And my my co-commentator, who's actually an old friend of the podcast, uh, Joachim Barbier, yeah. he commentated with me, French journalist, and uh, speaks good English, but he does do some literal translations. And early on in the Red Marseille game, he said, "This is the round. This is the observation round." At the moment, I was like, "Come on, <laughs> we don't do observation rounds anymore. We just, you know, we get stuck in and and and, and we score goals." Anyway, um, that was just a, going off on a tangent. I apologise for that. Yeah, well, listen, well done, well done to Trois Clermont and Lorient. I've I've kind of. I ruined your moment by saying that 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 you're not great. Actually, Trois Trois play good football. Claremont deserve a lot of credit because um, very very small budget, first ever season in 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 the top flight, and they've played some good stuff as well. Lorient, um, yeah, could do better next season. Yeah, you're going to have to up your game because I think you got away with it uh, this season. Listen, I can tell you all that Karim Benzema has won the award for the uh, best French player abroad. I don't think that's particularly surprising. William Saliba, uh, best young player. In France, uh, Philippe Montagnier has been voted uh, best coach. He brought Toulouse up from the second division. Uh, Branco van den Boomen, the uh, the Dutch midfielder, has been voted best player in uh, in Ligue 2. Gigi Donnarumma, a bit surprising that maybe voted best goalkeeper. A few of us were saying that maybe he shouldn't have been in the uh, in the five. Donnarumma has scooped it, and Kylian Mbappe has been uh, has been voted best player. Um, in in Liga, so no no big surprise there. Um, Luke disappointed your your boy Wissam Benyeda didn't didn't get it. He could still finish top scorer. Yeah, so. I mean, I, I don't think he was ever in much much doubt that, that Mbappe is going to get it this year. But I mean, Benyeda's just had a completely ridiculous season this year. Uh, I think it's his best scoring season in any league season uh, in his career. Obviously, his best in Monaco, and it was actually um, it's actually his first. Patrick for Monaco uh, against against Brest, so yeah, he's, he's had a pretty good season. But uh, I don't think anyone was ever gonna gonna top Kylian Mbappe's season. Fair enough, guys. Well, it's been um, it's been good fun, a dramatic round thirty seven, and I think thirty eight is going to be even more exciting because uh, there's no there's no second chances. It is the final round of the season, and it's going to be our final bon voyage of the season. Um, so uh, yeah, time to. To get our pass- passports? No, our, our, what, what do we need? Carte de séjour or just uh, a train ticket? Just time to get our train ticket out and see where we're going to go. So, among the games, 
they're all they're all big really psg mets obviously huge for for mets they're all taking place simultaneously 9 p.m this saturday night Lance against monaco massive for both teams marseille against strasbourg massive for both teams lille against ren uh huge for ren rouse against nice nice need the points there clermont Lyon is a dead rubber. Could be a good game, but a dead rubber. Nantes, Saint-Étienne, important, uh, obviously, for Saint-Étienne, who are still fighting, in theory. Brest against Bordeaux. Bordeaux's last chance. They need to rattle in a load of goals against Brest and keep their fingers crossed. Angers against uh, Montpellier. Nothing up for grabs there. Lorient against Troyes. That is just going to be a bit of fun, I think, in in Brittany as well. Um, Luke, what game do you fancy? I mean, it can't be anywhere else apart from Monaco, Lens or Strasbourg, Marseille. Given my connection, I'll, I'll have to go for the Monaco Lens. But I mean, those are just two huge games. The Strasbourg Marseille one will be absolutely massive. There's just so much riding on it for both clubs. And um, obviously, I need my uh, my hot take to to come off. So um, I'll be following that one very very closely. Those two, yeah, are going to be the best atmospheres. I think no question about that. Stad Felix Bollard, and you know there there are two clubs this season where the feel good factor is unbelievable. It's Lens and at Strasbourg, and yeah, the more the more time you can spend there, the better, I would say. Um, Andy, you're looking very pensive. What do you What do you think? Well, I mean, I, th- I think I would say that the the not Saint Etienne game is is worth following because you know I mean, talked about Bordeaux being an iconic club with an iconic shirt, and I think you could say the same about Nantes and Saint Etienne. Uh, the Stade de France last weekend with the cup final was incredible. You know, just the sea of yellow shirts everywhere. Um, and that might be quite an interesting game because obviously, you know, Nott's final home game of a memorable season and, and, and they might relegate Saint-Étienne. So that's one to keep an eye on. But I mean, yeah, probably Marseille-Strasbourg gets the nod for me. I've, I've, I've followed Marseille more closely than practically any other team in Ligue 1 this season. Um, so we're sticking with them to the end. And as you say, lots, you know, these two teams could miss out on their objectives or they could both reach their objectives. So that's one. Uh, that's one I want to watch. And and before I before I leave, I, w- I want to say because we haven't said congratulations to Ajaxio because like Toulouse they they got promoted, didn't they? And, and they they did it on the last day of the season, and that means for the first time in quite a long time, there's going to be a Corsican team back in in the top division. It's been four or five years, um, and that's always interesting. And obviously, good for a good for a bon voyage because Corsica is, is a beautiful part of a the very world. Bon voyage. So I look, yeah, for, very bon look voyage. forward to that next season. You just because you finished talking, Andy, you can't leave. By the way, you can't. You know, you said you were going to leave. You, you have to wait till the end of the podcast. You know, oh, he's thrown his headphones off and he's got off in a in a rage. Um, you have to listen to where I'm going to go because that, that that's really important. Um, I'm going to go locally. A few reasons for this: PSG Mets. Um, one because I, you know a few people out there reckon that PSG don't get enough love on this podcast since Robbie Thompson has left. And uh, you know what? I want to go and watch Kylian Mbappe and Lionel Messi and, and, and Neymar. And um, whether it's Kylian's last or not, um, it's always a pleasure to see these guys, to see these guys play. And um, Mets are going to be absolutely fighting. And we're going to have a trophy ceremony at the end as well, because the, uh, the Ligue 1 trophy, the hexagon or what, what's it called, Andy? The, the he- hexagon. <laughs> Hexagon is going to be paraded. Do, do, pe- do people, do people who, who, do people understand? I mean, I think the the idea of, of the hexagon in general is quite peculiar. No, does everybody understand what that even the means? Hexagon. It's, it sounds like a goal that's going kind to of rebounded off someone's bum or something. It's like something they've invented a name for a special. But goal. just the, the fact that the fact that people in France actually call their country the hexagon is quite is quite peculiar. No, anyway, maybe most of our listeners know that, but I, 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 it's quite nice. It's quite I nice. Mean, it, you know, yeah, it is broadly speaking the shape of a hexagon, but 
like Italy's a boot. Um, anyway, we've we've gone off subject as we we always tend to, but it's been a lot of fun. Um, next Saturday night is going to be absolutely brilliant, so do make sure you keep an eye on the league action uh, throughout France at the weekend. From Luke Entwistle, Andy Scott, me, Matt Spiro, it's time to uh, wish you good night, a good day, good evening, have a good one. We'll speak to you soon. All the best. Bye -bye. Let's go. Messi again, this time maybe Messi's done it!